You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. Hi, I'm Tim Robertson, and this is the 259th weekly episode of the MyMac.com podcast. This week, we've got Paul Kent. He's from Macworld. He's going to be talking about Macworld Expo, some news, stuff like that, maybe a surprise announcement. We've also got Annette Benke with our listener invite segment. She's from LearnMaxOnline.com. Be sure to send off feedback to feedback at MyMac.com. Thanks for downloading. Enjoy. This show 259, like I said at the beginning, and it's going to be a busy show. We're going to have Annette Benke on a little later on the show as part of our listener invite. We're going to talk about Learn Max Online, what that means. But first, uh, David Cohen, you're here with us this week. I am. And Guy Good Searle. to be here. Yep, me too. We're going to start the show off with Paul Kent, our friend from uh, the Mac Expo. Hello, Paul. How you guys doing? It's just Mac World now, right? Macworld. See, I'm not ever going to get used to that, Paul. I'm just, it, I, I'm incapable of change. I think that's what it is. <laughs> well, we have 25 years of embedded branding with you that we have to deprogram you from. I tell you, before we get into what's going on with Macworld, um, you had a, a really bad fire in your home. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was kind of a weird thing. Back at the end of July, we had, it was one in the afternoon, and um, I wasn't home. My wife and youngest daughter were there. And a guy driving by noticed some smoke coming out of the out of the roof and some flames. He knocked on the door, and uh, and he said to my wife, "Get out! Your house is on fire." She was like, "Who are you? What is this?" And then she realized he was serious. And then within about ten minutes, I had just gotten home from a business lunch. Uh, the whole roof was up, and uh, it was it was a pretty big disaster. But people have been so nice. I mean, I got so many nice notes from around the Mac industry. Neighbors, friends, family have all been so supportive of us. We're doing fine. You know, Good. it was a couple months ago. We're in a rental house now. We're doing great. So you're going to move back into the house eventually? Yeah, we just finished demolition, and they're going to start. It, it was a historic house, so we have a couple of hoops to go through with the city that I live in. But, uh, yeah, we'll rebuild, and hopefully by the time my oldest, who just started her senior year of high school, by the time she graduates in May, we'll be back in the house. Well, I'm glad nobody was hurt. That's the important thing. And Absolutely. You know, it's still what a I, – I just can't imagine losing your house. I mean, that would just be so traumatic. You know, it was surreal while we were watching it, but really this kind of very um, uh, uh, realization washes over you that you're so grateful nobody got hurt. All, all people and all pets got out just fine, and it really became that everything else is just stuff, and stuff can be replaced, people can't. And so although it was very emotional and very hard, it, it, people were so nice, and we were so grateful to have gotten my daughter and my wife out without a problem. It really, it, it could have been a lot worse. If it would have happened at one in the morning or two in the morning, it might oh, have yeah. been a story. So. so you're a firm believer in both uh, smoke alarms and off-site backup now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are important things. They really are. Also, I'll tell you what, I'm, I am a huge, my appreciation for what firemen do is through the roof. I mean, not only did they fight the fire and save as much of the house as they could, but they actually, um, once they kind of got settled, they came to us and said, you know, where are your family photos or anything you want us to save? And they went and tried to find anything of, of real emotional value, sentimental value. And they did an amazing job of protecting property as well. And, and my wife and I are just so, so grateful to the effort that they went to to kind of save as much of our stuff as they could. It's, it's a 
a sad story and a and a great story all at the same time. It's uh, hey, I'm here talking to you, right? Yeah, the, you know, and that's the important yeah. thing, absolutely. So let's talk about MacWorld. What's going on? What's the latest news? And uh, are we still having a MacWorld? Oh, I'm, come on, absolutely. I'm rubbing you. <laughs> so uh, we just opened uh, registration for the conferences last week, and uh, we've been spending the summer kind of designing the show, working on some of the special features for the show, selling exhibits, and working on the conference program. Over the course, you know, remember, I was on your show several months ago, and we had opened up registration for uh, alumni and exhibit-only attendees back at the last show. And right. you know, it was pretty good. We had about 8,000 people sign up at the last show. Well, I'll share with you guys first. We're very excited. Over 20,000 people are pre-registered for MacWorld right now. So wow. there's a really, really good foundation. And we still have five months to you know, kind of tell these people to bring a friend, go get the other people who might be interested in the show. So you know, this concept that MacWorld is a place where you can find interesting products for your Apple-related products, whether it's an iPod or an iPhone or your Mac, uh, really resonates with people. 90% of the products shown on the MacWorld floor are not available in an Apple store. You come to Macworld to find the cool, interesting things you can do with your Apple products. Your brand new stuff. Yeah, all sorts of interesting stuff. Lots of products make their debut at Macworld. A lot of new companies debut at Macworld. So uh, we're pretty excited. 20,000 people registered is a wonderful place for us to start for the next five, little over five months to get more people uh, involved with the show. Uh, I have to be honest. I still get a lot of email from um, people, listeners of the show, readers of the website, asking, is Macworld still going to happen next year? Um, my question to you is, are you going to have a really big media blitz to get the word out You know, in, in that last three-month stretch to make sure that a lot of bodies are going to start coming through those doors and that the vendors are going to start signing up in droves at the last second? Well, I mean, we have, uh, uh, we're very good at, at marketing. You know, we have a dedicated marketing department that does two things. It reaches out to um, attendees, and so a large part of the reason that we've gone from the 8,000 that signed up at the show to 20,000 now is because we do steady outreach to attendees. Um, you know, exhibitors are signing up. You know, we have close to 100 exhibitors confirmed right now. And remember, it's, a, it's, a, it's odd times that we live in. So the fact that you have people asking if it's going to happen at all really speaks more to the confusion that may have emerged in the marketplace given the announcements by Apple at the end of last year. Did it kind of tick you off when they said, uh, you know, this is the last Macworld Expo up on stage after the keynote? Kind of ticked me uh -huh. off. Yeah, you know, tick off. <laughs> I, have a, I have enough to worry about, you know, with regards to taking care of my existing customers uh, than I worry about things like that. I mean, our job is just to put on the very best show that we can for the people who do want to come, the exhibitors and the attendees who do want to come. So I don't, I don't spend too much time worrying about things like that. You know, uh, we're friends on Facebook. And so I see your status updates, and that's pretty much how I knew about your house getting, you know, catching on fire. I don't know how you could juggle planning the Macworld Expo when you lose your house. I, that, that's got to take some fortitude that I don't know if I have. Well, I'm going to give a couple of props real quick to the company that I work for. So, you know, I work for IDG, International Data Group, which is a privately held publishing company, with the largest technology publishing company company in the world. So, you know, Macworld, Infoworld, um, Network World, um, PC World, all of these are owned by my company. And um, it is a great company to work for. They were extremely understanding, extremely, they said, take care of your family, take care of what you need to first. Um, and they really helped me to not have to worry about prioritizing things. And I also have an amazing team of people who work for me. So the staff that puts on Macworld is incredibly competent, 
they just kind of ran with the ball and, you know, just really filled in in my absence. And so for the two or three weeks that I really had to be offline, detached as we were figuring this all out, my company supported me. My staff just did amazing things and just kept everything going in cohesion so I could step right back in when the time was right. And um, so, like I said, for as bad a thing to happen, I have amazing amounts of blessings of things around me that have made it kind of work out okay. What's the big thing at this next Macworld Expo that's really got you excited that you can talk about? Um, I'll tell you what. We, um, we're we going to start next week. So there's there's so many things. I, don't, I wouldn't know where to start. I will tell you this. The conferences are awesome. So the conferences that we just have gone public with that are on our website, www.macworldexpo.com, uh, for enterprise professionals, our IT conference is the most thorough, comprehensive um, collection of educational opportunities covering the, what's really going on in deploying Macs in the enterprise space. So our, our Mac IT conference is without par. This is a good year. Last year was kind of a difficult year because, you know, last year Apple spent much of their time becoming a phone company. Yes. No major releases in the Mac market. You know, iApps didn't get uh, upgraded. Um, ProApps didn't get upgraded. There's no OS release. We have a ton of stuff to talk about at the conference this year. As soon as Apple re- uh, announced that Snow Leopard was shipping, we went public with, we have a whole track in our users conference on Snow Leopard content. So, and it's a really, it's good timing because, you know, there's a certain amount of people who rush right to adopt a new version of an operating system. But by and large, it's kind of a bell curve. And a lot of people wait and see what the gotchas are, what the bugs are. And they take a while before they upgrade. Right about the time when we get to uh, Macworld, there'll be a lot of critical mass of people rushing to Snow Leopard. And we'll be able to talk to them about how to, how to put Snow Leopard to work in the most effective way. And the other big thing this year was uh, the Pro Apps and Final Cut Studio coming out. And that wasn't available last year. So i got to imagine that's going to get a lot of attention as well. Absolutely. We have several courses. We have two-day courses. We have individual conference sessions. We have a lot of stuff on Final Cut. And Logic has been upgraded for the first time in quite a while. Quite a while. So for, yeah, for quite a while. And uh, so for musicians, we have a lot of content on Logic. So the timeliness of content at Macworld is the first thing to be really excited about. I've got a bunch of stuff that's going to – our first big announcement on who our feature presentations is going to uh, – the first two of them is going to be next week. I'll be happy to come on and share with you guys as often as you'd like me to come back. What day next share week? With, uh, I'm not. I'm not positive. It'll probably be early in the week. But, okay, uh, because the show that we're recording right now, Paul, yep. the, the listeners don't know this, but we're actually recording this ahead of time. So this episode actually comes out next week, Thursday night. Got it. So if you want to reveal it now, you can because they're going to already know. But if you don't want to, that's fine too. <laughs> uh, for you guys, I'm happy to do it. So here, here's what we have. We're uh, under embargo, everybody listening, Guy and David. Yeah. And <laughs> under put embargo. your fingers in your ears. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. Exactly. So uh, I'm really excited to share that the first, uh, first two feature presentations that we're going to have at Macworld are David Pogue, who's been with us for years, but he has a new format for uh, – it's called, it's called Late Night with David Pogue, even though it's at 1030 in the morning. So David is going to be doing you know, what David does great. Magic tricks and talking. Commentary. And, yeah. Yeah. Magic tricks, song parody. He's good at the so magic that. tricks. I, let, let's not underscore that. He's. Re- I've seen him do the magic tricks at Macworld. I remember one back in 98 or 99, and I was amazed. I thought, well, this guy's got some talent. David is a one-man technology entertainment machine. He is. And then the second uh, feature presentation that we're announcing is 
Leo Laporte from The Week in Tech. So Leo, you know, is one of the largest distributed podcasts in the technology industry. Leo is kind of a legend in the technology broadcasting industry. Leo is taking over Macworld Live, so he's going to be doing the talk show format. And again, Leo will be commenting on things going on in the Mac space, things going on with Apple, things going on in the, in the broader technology space, having some guests come on that will add to the conversation. Very informative, very entertaining. So between Leo and David, we have some of the most widespread, widely read, widely regarded technology journalists leading sessions for us to kind of help the people who come to Macworld kind of get interesting perspectives on what they should be buying, what they, how technology is evolving, how being an Apple products customer is evolving. It'll be really cool. And, of course, MyMac.com will be covering the event as it's going on. We're going to have videos from the show. We're going to have podcasts. We're going to have a lot of pictures. Um, a lot of articles, so make sure you check out MyMac.com as well during the Macworld Expo because we always cover it extensively. We usually have at least five to ten staff members there. Um, I- I'm looking forward to it. I know Guy is. Oh, yeah. Well, here's one thing. I want to invite you guys to um, – we will have a main stage at Macworld where, where the best podcasters can actually do live versions of their show. You guys do such a great job with MyMac.com and MyMac. I'd love for you guys to be one of the people doing a live podcast from the show. I think it's a great way for the audience to learn more about you, see what you actually look like in person. Oh, no, not that. Oh, you just blew it right there. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> now we got to rent masks, guy. Uh, faces, for radio, faces for podcasting, right? Yes. I am much better time-shifted. I'm not, I'm, I guess this means I can't dye my hair blonde this year again. <laughs> I actually did that last year, Paul. It's, yeah, it was strange. scary. Striking. Well, we, we'll take you up on that offer. It'd be a lot of fun. We need to wrap up this segment of the show because we've got Annette Benke coming up next on our listener invite. I don't know if you're aware of that, Paul, but we have pretty much every other show now. We invite our listeners in on the podcast, and it's not an interview. We just they come in and they're part of the show for an episode, and it gives us the opportunity of meet new people. And it gives you know, as Mac users, most of us don't have anybody close by to talk to and, and to share our passion. So this gives people an opportunity to talk with other people that have the same passions as we do. It's fun. It's a brilliant idea. I mean, kind of like, kind of like extending the concept of social networking to bring them on the podcast. Absolutely. I kind of looked at it like, um, the whole concept of the grateful dead, you know how like they used to allow their fans to record any show that they wanted to free of charge. Yeah. I, I kind of went with that kind of mentality, bringing in the listeners as part of the show. And I, Everybody likes it so far, and I love it. This is almost like if the Grateful Dead were to allow someone to come on stage and play drums with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. I would say pr- probably more like Rat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a, a retired Motley crew. <laughs> yeah, well, go. thanks for being on, Paul, and uh, we'll be right back with Annette. back and it's listener invite time annette benke hello annette hi tim thanks for coming on the show this week i'm doing great i'm glad that you could be here you know with uh i remember your email specifically and 
I totally agree. It's time we got a little less testosterone, a little bit more estrogen on the show. I love that email. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you definitely don't have enough women on this show. No, absolutely not. And honestly, I don't think enough women podcast. Uh, I think that there's definitely a segment of the market out there that would definitely like to hear the female point of view. And and I don't even know if, if gender makes any difference when it comes to tech. But definitely a, a female podcaster that's talking about tech. I think there's a, a big market for it out there. Well, it's definitely, it seems to be more a male-dominated area. Um, not in my house. I'm definitely more the, the techie one. My husband uh, steers well clear of it all. But um, on a whole, it does seem to be more male-orientated. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just that men are early adopters or we like our toys. I don't know. I think it's toys. I think it is toys. I, yep. I go with the toys as well. You know, because I, I, <laughs> when I finally stopped playing with toys as a kid, there's always a part of me that kind of there like, was a oh, hole in your life. Man, I, I want to go back and play with the toys again. And Ten then you have minutes. kids, and but all my kids up to this point has been girls, and they don't want to play with the toys that I did. So, <laughs> Tim, men never play, never stop playing with toys. That's true. Admit it. You they always just become play with more toys. expensive. They do absolutely exactly. So. You actually have a Macintosh website. Yes, I do. It's um, it's a sideline. It's not my full-time work, but um, it's called LearnMaxOnline.com. It's something I started as a tutorial side because I'm very um, involved in my local Mac user group, and it's just something I saw a need for, you know, just people starting new on, on or with Macintoshes. How long ago did you start it? Um, the end of last year, so it's coming up in a year. Is it anything like you thought it would be, writing every day? Or, well, not every day, but often, and having people reading what you're writing and getting something out of it. Is is it what you thought it was going to be, or is it totally different? Um, it's pretty much what I thought it would be. Um, I haven't had as much time as of late to give to it, but it's getting pretty good reception. I'm, I'm happy with it. i got to say, I, I've been to the site a number of times, and I almost always learn something new. It is. It's a very well-designed site. But I almost always learn something new myself. Um, and I think that a, a lot of people out there think that, oh, you guys do the podcast and you run MyMac.com. You, you know Mac's really great. And, yeah, I do know him pretty well. But I, I, there's always something new to learn. And I think that's kind of the appeal of this internet day and age with fast computers and access to all this information, that there's always something new to learn on your computer. And I think your site is is a great example of that. Yeah, I, I think no matter how long you're working with computers, you'll always have something to learn. You know, even if it's just a little a key code or just a trick or something, you, you'll never know everything. Go ahead, David. I thought you said something there. Are you? Are we losing you? Yeah, it looks like we lost David Cohen. Oh man, it happens sometimes. I'm going to yeah. drop him out of the Skype call and bring him back in. We love Skype. We uh, it's 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 such a great product. <laughs> <laughs> so Unfortunately, you, there is absolutely nothing better. Have you tried the Skype on the iPhone? You know, I actually did that today. It's one of the first times I've ever used actually voice on Skype on the iPhone, and I called David in the U.K. because my iPhone plan doesn't include international calls. So I thought, ah, I'll try Skype. And it worked after a fashion, but not very well. I tried it 
I was very surprised when I got that call, by the way. Where I wasn't you? expecting it, yeah. I tried it between Ireland and the States, and the reception or the call quality was amazing. Yeah, right. It, th- that wasn't the case for us, was it, David? No, it, it, sound, it sounded a bit muffled, but, um, you know, sometimes these things just... You know, I mean, you, you, you've had some network problems today, so maybe it was something related to that. Could be. I, I didn't try it over uh, 3G because <laughs> we don't get 3G where I live. Um, and I'm so happy to pay the 3G prices when they don't even offer it where I live. I don't get AT&T reception full stop. For the past 10 days, I've had no reception. Really? Yeah, I don't know what. And there's nothing new in the house, you know, that could be blocking the reception. It's just disappeared. Just in the this, house? Did, did it just suddenly happen or was your yeah, reception no, it, somewhat questionable before then? It was questionable before that. I might get two bars and now it's just, I can't get texts, I can't get anything. It's just, oh, it's dismal. If you go outside the house, can you get connection? Um, depends if I walk around the yard, maybe, you know, out to the road, it'll get better. Have you talked to AT&T at all? Oh, I, I spoke to them months ago and they made me go in and get a new SIM card, even though I knew that wouldn't work because my husband's phone is not... It's not an iPhone, but it's, you know, with AT&T, and his reception is no better. But I did it just to make them happy, right. and, you know, didn't hmm. make a difference. Uh, I, a lot of people keep just wanting the iPhone on another network, and it looks like Verizon's probably going to be the next network to get the iPhone. But do you think it's at the point now where we should just let every carrier have the iPhone? I think every carrier should have it. I think so. As long as they support the uh, the, the net the radios that are built into it. Well, that goes without so saying. I don't think. Well, I don't think. So I don't think Sprint has a three G or or. Uh, well, no, but what I mean is that it, there would be an iPhone for that cellular network. Okay. You know, and as far as the end user is concerned, it would make no difference. Um, you wouldn't. You you couldn't tell any difference between one iPhone to the next. I mean, that's just a radio inside of it, and we don't have any access to that anyways. So how would you get into technology to begin with, Annette, if I can speak Um, at all today? I'm a graphic designer, Mm. so I've always worked on Macs. So once I started working on a Macintosh, I just fell in love with it. So what does a graphic designer do? I know because I worked in a graphic design studio as an IT manager, but for the listeners out there, what's a graphic designer do with her computer? Well, I've always worked in publishing houses. So mm-hmm. um, I, what I did was I w- designed magazines. The company uh, I worked for did uh, packaging. And I've, I've done that now that since I've started freelancing, I've designed packaging, uh, you know, packaging as well. But um, I'm, I've been freelancing now for 10 years. So I design business cards, website, you know, business cards, logos, brochures, Websites, packaging, you name it. If you can print it, I'll design it. So what's the industry standard right now? Is it CS4? Is it Quark? Is it, uh, what do you see mostly in your line of business now? I'm, I used to use Quark all the time, but Quark were really slow with moving from um, OS 9 onto OS 10. Yeah, they took a and long time. I think they lost it, a lot of people at that juncture. It, yeah, it 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 took it took a long time, and even when they um, brought out a new system, I think it went from four to five. Yep. They still stayed, and they didn't bring it up to 
OS 10. So at that stage, um, printers and everything were taking InDesign. So then I just decided to move with InDesign. Once I could get printers to actually take the new files, InDesign files, I just moved with it. Yeah, and that, and I, I think that happened industry-wide. I mean, a lot of people were waiting for Quark to update their, their suite, and it just took so long that they just couldn't wait around Done. anymore. They had to move on. And, in fact, it used to be almost impossible for a publication like MyMac to get a copy of Quark for product review, and they made uh, us jump through hoops. They made schools jump through hoops. I was contracting through a school back in, I want to say, 97, 98, and we just wanted to get another copy of um, Cork Express on another machine there. And oh yeah, they were they were one of the few companies that wouldn't even give educational discounts because no. back in when I was living in San Diego, I used to actually teach Cork uh, and Illustrator, and I couldn't get a copy of Cork as an educational discount. Yep, and they and I made the mistake of telling them that you know this is for a school and la di da. And they basically, they were telling us that we needed to sign this affidavit and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, who are you people? Who do you think we are? We're the customer. Why do you think we're going to jump through? But they had to because there really was no other competition at the time. No, there wasn't. And then InDesign came out and they, you know, it, it started off really slowly because Quark just, it was the standard. Everybody used it. But because they didn't move fast enough you know, with app, when Apple moved to OS X, um, people just moved from it. Mm-hmm. And nowadays it's all PDF. You, uh, you don't even is. send, yeah, you don't even send um, the the InDesign files or Quark or whatever you use. Yep. Printers just want PDFs. And uh, that's direct to plate. And that, that took a long time to get here too. And now that it's here, uh, I think that... Quark is just, I, I think they're on life support at this point. Because what I was going to say is it used to be really hard for us to get product reviews <clears throat> from them. They basically beg us to review their product now. I, I really? constantly keep getting emails from them. Oh, please cover Quark. They don't quite say it like that, but, you know, <laughs> I, I read enough press releases and, and, and PR speak to know what they're saying. And what they're saying to me is we need to get the word out there that Quark is still viable. And I, honestly, at this point, because I've dealt with the company so many times with their arrogant attitude, that I just don't have any. Well, actually, I think I sent something out to the staff. Does anybody want to review this? And nobody did. It was like, ugh, it's quirk. Is it interesting you say that, Tim? A question for you, Annette. Obviously, um, you know, quark in 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 back in the day has were, were arrogant and and were you know throwing the weight around. That's something we've accused Adobe of doing on this podcast in the last few months what's your perception of InDesign now as a product is it is is it starting to go the way Quark did back in the bad old days when they were the market leader well Adobe unfortunately is the the standard it is the market leader and in one way having that one standard it means if I send files to the West Coast, or if I send files to a printer in Europe or even to Asia, because we all work on the same standard, I know that they're going to be able to open them, and I'm not going to be getting phone calls going, I can't do anything with this file. Yeah, but there's, so, they, they still have this... It seems to me that Adobe's almost moving too fast lately, 
because yeah, you're getting the- a lot of incompatibilities between CS4 and CS3, especially I did the uh, um, Illustrator review at MyMac.com, and it, there's a huge disparity between the two apps that if somebody's on CS3, they're going to have major problems opening a CS4 file, and conversely, going the other way, if you try to open up a an Adobe Illustrator CS3 file on CS4, it wants to convert it to artboards, and it just screws everything up. Do you Have you seen that? Um, I haven't. I've actually just... I've still been working on CS2 because it is, it's so expensive to upgrade. They really have priced it, you know, almost out of, out of the market. And only because of Snow Leopard have I actually just decided, okay, bite the bullet and upgrade to CS4. Now I've ordered it. I haven't got it yet, but I did think it was pretty bad form that they didn't even say that or that they said that they weren't even going to um you know give technical support for cs3 like that's only yes. just one version back i know and that that was uh, i know that caused quite a lot of fuss when when they when they said when they said that um can you buy InDesign as as a standalone product, or do you have to buy the whole um, the whole creative suite? You can buy it by itself. Oh yeah, no, you can buy them one by one. It, it's, it's financially it doesn't make any sense though, because if you start adding them up one by one, it's like, jeez. And and if you go ahead and just buy you know the latest version of um, Photoshop, you really do need the latest version of Illustrator, which oh guess what? Now you really do need the latest version of InDesign. And yeah. that's exactly I needed, and then I need Dreamweaver as well. So I needed them all. So it was just better, easier to get it all as the, one of the design suites. Yeah, and it's twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it's just fine, insane. Yeah. It's 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 even more expensive over here. Actually, um, they are they've got this um, peculiar exchange rate that Adobe are using to translate the price of this software, which seems to virtually double the price compared to what you were paying a dollar. Which isn't very nice either. No, you know, Annette, do you think there's an opportunity for a smaller, more lift company to move into the segment and, and be compatible with the Adobe software um, files and just offer a more, you know, a cost-effective solution? Well, definitely. If Because the printers just want PDFs, if they can create um, the high-res PDFs, that the printers want, which isn't, that's all, that's isn't all you the need. print dialogue in, in the Mac OS. I know a lot of people are listening going, yeah. well, you can just print a PDF now. That's a low-res 72 DPI, and that's yeah. not what the printers want. That's not what no. they want. No, it's got to be high-res. It's, it's a particular format for, for printing. It's not just, it's not like when you go to your print dialogue box you know, on, on a Mac and go print PDF and send it to a printer. But you can literally pick up uh, Acrobat Pro and then use other applications to create the PDF file that you're going to need. Yeah, I guess you can. It's, uh, but still, I mean, you're still playing in Adobe's universe. Adobe just bought some metrics company, and um, I don't have the information in front of me, but it seems to me that Adobe is trying to become more like Apple and Microsoft. Um, do you think there's ever going to come a day where you, it doesn't matter what computer you buy, you run the Adobe OS just for these apps? Well, I guess Quark had their day, and they, you know, they got their downfall <clears throat> from arrogance. You, I think moving yeah. slow and and arrogance. 
Well, how far away are we from Adobe falling into that same trap? Well, Adobe's doing the opposite, other than the arrogant part. They're still that. But they're actually moving too fast, trying to get people like Annette to spend $2,500 this year, and then a year and a half from now, 18 months from now, another $2,500, and another $2,500. And for someone that's doing freelance work, I mean, good Lord, Annette can't afford that. You, you, you end up pricing yourself out of the market you created. Yeah, and I, I think that's yeah. exactly it. What do you think, Annette? Well, CS4 is already a year old, so CS5 is going to be here in probably another 12 months. Yeah. And yeah. at what point, though, Annette, do you think I'm going to have to bite the bullet and get this version? When does that happen for you? Um, well, it happened this time because of Snow Leopard. Mm. So it's it's when it doesn't, you know, it's something that's going something makes it happen so right now it happened because it wasn't going to run on snow leopard you know adobe weren't going to or it wasn't you know adobe weren't going to um support cs2 support it, exactly CS3 sorry yes yeah. weren't going to yeah. support it so then sorry. when cs5 comes around as long as you know hopefully it'll keep running i probably will skip that one and keep going until you know cs6 comes yeah there's a, there's but sometimes you don't have a choice to skip because I mean they're saying that they're not you know there was already some compatibility issues with Snow Leopard with CS3. So for those people that are still using CS3 and want to run Snow Leopard, you know they could run into some poten- some potential problems. Yeah, but for someone like Annette, I don't think there's really any um, reason to upgrade to Snow Leopard yet. Do you, Annette? I mean, do you, is there any underlying reason that you would have to update to Snow Leopard? Other than, you know, we're fan fans of the software, we want to have the latest and greatest, but... Fan there, w- there wasn't, except that yesterday I took delivery of a brand new 15-inch laptop. Oh, you uh, got a brand new uh, one, huh? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Oh, sweet. So you had... Uh, tw- geez, how much sleep did you get or did you not get last night then? <laughs> <laughs> I know when I get a new machine and I'm like up until midnight or later, just... I, I, yeah, I saw your tweet actually in that you said when you when you said said it, it's just arrived. Why am I tweeting rather than opening the box? I thought I'd do it. <laughs> so, what do you think of the new computer? Oh, it is just beautiful. And I went for the matte screen because my I was working on my brother's computer. Now it was a it's a PC because I just have not managed to convert him yet. But it had a glass screen on it, and I just thought oh, I could not work with one of these glass screens because I work so much with photographs because I, I love photography as well. So I said, you know, when I got my next laptop, it definitely had to have one of the matte screens, and it is just beautiful. But I haven't had a chance to um, to do a lot with it yet, but I was I did start downloading the just – I was going to download the – the trial versions of um, the Adobe programs yeah. until my my actual programs come here in about a week or so. So is the laptop your or going to be anyways your your workstation? Um, it is for the time being because I'm going to be traveling so much. So that's why I said I was going to upgrade. And while I'm you know kind of traveling back and forth to Ireland, I was going to use that as my main computer for the time being. It's uh you know there's some features built into the laptops now the MacBook Pros 
that you can do the the gestures and rotation and zooming and stuff like that is that something that you think you're going to be able to get used to quickly yeah probably um i was playing around with those a little bit yesterday and i was setting up the trackpad and and things like that i use you know key codes and things as much as possible i've always been someone that does that a lot smile on my maps type of products where it's just you click this this and this button and this happens Yes, I, you know I've I use the I use the key the the keys you know to I use the keys a lot and the mouse as little as possible. Yeah, a lot of people are like that. I I, I do stuff on when I'm helping some relative or something. I go over to their house and you know, hey, let me get in front of the computer. I'll show you what I was talking about. Click click click, and they're like, "What'd you just do? You never even clicked the mouse." <laughs> oh, I yeah, know. I was using key go- shortcuts, and they're like, "What's that?" And like, but I couldn't tell you what keys I hit. I would actually have to go back and put my fingers on yeah. them. Yeah, it's muscle memory. It's muscle were. memory, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's funny that, you know, we start getting used to this stuff and we move beyond that beginner stage and we kind of all have our own little idiosyncrasies on how we use our keyboards and our mice and what we use the mouse for and what we use the keyboard shortcuts for that it, I find it interesting when I'm at like the Macworld Expo in the press room watching what other people do and you know i'm thinking why does he keep going to the trackpad so much i mean he's constantly moving his finger up and down up and down he could just do that with the you know with the space key or you know the, the arrow keys or man somebody really needs to teach this person but we all get these little idiosyncrasies on how we use our computer and then when we get in front of someone else who's different we think well they're doing it wrong <laughs> yeah at least that's been my experience that when someone's not doing it the way i am well, they're doing it wrong, obviously. I think that when somebody, you know, gets the mouse and clicks on enter and I, or, you know, clicks on OK and I'm there, just hit the enter button. You know, you don't have to click on OK every time. I know, that, that's, that's yeah. one of mine, too. They always take their hand off the keyboard, go to the mouse, and it's like, ugh, you know how much time you're wasting? But they're not <laughs> really. But when you start adding it up, it, it starts... We, well, we call it carpal tunnel syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah. You're causing problems for yourself. Well, like, Guy, you're a trackpad guy, right? Yes. Or a trackball. Trackball, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can yeah, never I, use I one. use a trackball as well. Do you? I, I, yeah. I can't get into them. I, and, I, and I guarantee you that Annette probably doesn't use them because she's a graphic artist. I don't. I just couldn't get used to it. I bought one. I tried it. No, I just don't like it. When you do a lot of Photoshop work, I don't think that the trackball is the ideal solution. I think the, the the mouse is just much more accurate. At least it is for me. And uh, yeah, everybody's me different. Everyone. Do you do you use a a, um, a tablet, Annette? Like a you know with the a Wacom? Yeah. Um, sometimes, but nope. I I think I've just so so used to using the mouse that I just prefer it. You know, when I first got into IT in a in a uh, design house. Everyone had a Wicom tablet. But as time went on, I started noticing, especially when we got rid of the roller balls and the mice. Once that happened and we started getting these very precise laser mice, uh, more and more people started moving away from the, the Wicom tablets. I don't know if they're as popular as they were even, say, five to ten years ago. This it seems that way to me. I could be mistaken, but I just the, don't think the, as many the, people use them. 
Yeah, the one, the reason, I mean, the reason I, I started using a trackball, I don't use a trackball on everything I'm in this computer on here, I'm using here now, I have a mouse plugged into it, but I use a trackball on my main PC at home and uh, my main Mac at home and my PC at work, um, purely because I get wrist pains if I use the mouse too much. Hmm. Uh, and that's one of the advantages of using something other than a mouse, because really I, I don't think mice are particularly ergonomic because you you end up holding your hand and wrist in a, in a very peculiar position for a long time. I, I've seen a lot of people that have developed carpal tunnel from using mice and keyboards and stuff. I've never, ever had a problem. And you would think, at the very least, 15 years of doing my Mac, that I would have something like that, but I've never, ever had the problem. Good uh, training. Yep. Speaking of uh, good training, we need, need to uh, mention our... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know any other way to, to do that segment. Um, <laughs> our sponsor for this week is Otherworld Computing. And, David, you picked a really cool product that I have, but really don't have a whole lot of experience using yet. Yeah, this is um, from a company called Blue Microphones. Uh, and Blue are very big in high-end audio. You're using and, a Blue uh, microphone right now, aren't you, Annette? Yes, I am. I'm using the Snowball. Yeah, very the popular. Snowball, that's right, yeah. They they make really nice microphones. Not only are they really good quality and sound really great, but they look really nice as well. They have this kind of uh, retro look to them. And this, this product as well, this is called the Mikey. Uh, and what it is is an, an iPod, uh, an iPhone recording device that you plug into the dock connector in the bottom, uh, and you get this uh, very nice-looking grill stereo microphone that's uh, repositionable it's kind of on a hinge and uh, just uses the interfaces to the recording software in most of the modern ipods but gives you very good quality uh, stereo recording um and uh you know this is this is uh, from what i've heard of it i know that sam levin's used it a couple of times for some of the stuff he's done um it's really you know it's a step up from using a an iPhone microphone or, or something like that. Sam Levin and, uh, uh, does the, the cool picks, uh, one of the MyMac.com produced podcasts, which is updated, you know, uh, at least a couple times a week. We just posted one this week. So uh, actually by the time that this podcast goes live, uh, you'll probably hear me on Sam's show because I'm going to go visit Sam in Indiana. He's visiting his sister, so I'm going to make the trek down this Saturday, which was last Saturday for when you guys are listening to the show. And... Um, He's really a big believer in this in this microphone, so I'm looking forward to getting a little yeah. time with Sam and uh, playing with this microphone. It's only eighty dollars too, which is for the quality is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's, it's a pr- it's got proper capsule microphones in, which is the you know, professional quality. So you should get um, you should get better quality from this than you would get from a kind of a Griffin microphone device or, or something else that plugs into the bottom of the dock. So be interested to see how you get on with it, Tim. Looking forward to it. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of recording time this week because the family's getting ready to walk in with my dinner, and I am starving. And <laughs> it's just not conductive to do a, a podcast while you have a almost two year old and a very vocal six year old running through the house. No. Especially Brooke. Brooke, if if I'm still talking on Skype when Brooke gets home, she literally puts herself right in front of the mic and goes, "Hi." <laughs> Well, I know. I know when I came when I came to visit you visit you guys. She is a very energetic little girl. Very almost overboard sometimes. I have to say, but <laughs> no, she, I, I love her just the same. I wouldn't want her any different. She's, she's uh, better that way than others. 
You know, she she's never going to have to worry about um, being with uh, a significant other that you know may threaten her or try to dominate her because I don't think that's humanly possible with her. <laughs> Self expression is not an issue. And you know, at, at six years old, her favorite thing to do at nighttime it used to be, and it still is, reading her books. We still do that. But her favorite thing is if she's been really good, she gets to play some iPhone games. So before we wrap up, Annette, you said you, uh, you're you an iPhone user. I am. What's your favorite app on the iPhone, other than, you know, the bundled stuff? Oh, gosh, I have so many. I'm addicted to um, some of the games at the moment. There's too many to pick sometimes. Yeah. Um, Frenzic is the game uh-huh. that I'm addicted to. It's called Frenzic. I did a uh, product review on Burger Time up on MyMac.com, a Mac software game title. And one of our listeners, and I can actually tell you who it is if I can pull up my email, because he's the one that sent me the link and I should give him credit, right? That's only fair. Um, I get this, somebody wrote on my wall, and I'm thinking, who's writing on my wall? And they sent me a link, and it was from George Masters. And the title was Christmas Comes Early for Tim Robertson. And I thought, what the heck is that? So I went and checked, and then, and the link is Namco releases Burger Time Deluxe for iPhone. <laughs> so, of course, $1.99 more in the hole for me because I had to buy it, and it's on my iPhone. And i got to say, it, it's a little janky. I know you bought it too, didn't you, David? Have you had a chance? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had a play with it. Um, I know you were struggling with the controls. I didn't find that was a problem, but what I noticed was from the very quick go I had on it was that the, uh, the 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 idea of the game is you have to run over the platforms and the components of the burgers to try and build burgers at the bottom of the screen. It was really hard to actually see the components of the burgers from the background because the graphics are so busy. Yeah, it's better on the Mac with a bigger screen. Yeah. But I, so, here, here's something that's funny, David. Obviously, they ported the PC version to the Mac, it actually yeah. launches and plays faster on my iPhone than my 2.8 gigahertz dual core <laughs> super iMac with a thousand gigabytes of RAM. It runs faster on the iPhone. What is up with that? Obviously, it's a native app for the iPhone, so that helps. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, obviously, the iPhone is a fairly um, fairly narrow platform, but I think the probably means the code is fairly well optimized on that. Yeah. It, my, my problem with the game, though, is the controls. If if I'm running right and I want to go down this next ladder, it doesn't always work. I, I have to really concentrate to make him go down that ladder. Otherwise, I'll overshoot it or undershoot it. And I don't have that problem with the keyboard on the computer. Yeah. So I'll continue playing it. I mean, it's it's on my iPhone. And I, like Annette, am addicted to stuff on my iPhone. And I don't know. Do you, can you ever see yourself doing actual work on your iPhone, Annette? Um, from time to time. But we can like, keep going a little bit longer, by the way, because I just got a text from my family, and they say, "What do you want for dinner?" So that means they're not going to be home anytime soon. Ah, excellent. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Go ahead, Annette. <laughs> when I'm, you know, like today, I was sitting at the auto shop waiting for my car. So you know, I pull it out and I just start playing a game for like five minutes. Or I, you know, text somebody or do something like that. Actual work, rarely. You know, I I use it kind of for free time. But one of, actually, an app that I downloaded yesterday, which I'm going to get a lot of use out of, 
when I'm in Ireland is uh, Bee Jive. Really? Um, I, I've heard about it, but I haven't tried it. Yeah, it's um, it's Google Talk. And it has push notification and it will actually wake the iPhone or at least, you know, um, give sound out when you get messages. Huh. So that will be a free way of texting. There, are any of you well, eBay users at all? Yeah. Yeah, I use eBay. I do too. I've been buying stuff lately on usually old video games that my daughter would enjoy playing. But uh, recently I've been playing the uh, Ratchet and Clank series. I mm-hmm. bought the PS3 version a couple of years, well, maybe two years ago when it first came out. And um, hold on, she's asking if I want a six inch sub or not. Let me just said yes. <laughs> no, a 12 inch. Yes. It used to be 12, but my, my enlarging gut is saying go with the six. <laughs> um, <laughs> I lost complete. No, eBay. Um, so I've been buying used video games and stuff. And I really like the Ratchet and Clank series. It's kind of the same formula as Star Wars Lego and stuff like that, where you break yep. stuff and you collect coins and you can upgrade. And it's very linear, but it's it's really fun. And I played the PS3 version. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go back and play some of the PS2 versions of this game. Maybe it's maybe it's good. And I was at a local GameStop and they had it on for, for like five dollars, so I bought it. And it's the second game. Thoroughly enjoying it. And that's what I'm playing right now. So I was on eBay. And I found out there was a first game and a couple after it as well. And I got them like 2 or $3 plus $4 shipping and handling on eBay. But right now I'm bidding on a game that I want. And I used my iPhone to, uh, to check my eBay, but I never use it to actually bid on stuff. I just kind of, oh, what do I got? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I, I got to go pay for that still. And I had my iPhone in my hand right after I got done calling you earlier, by the way, David, on Skype. Yeah, and I get you know how you get an instant message and it pops up and it you know, over the screen and everything. Yeah. I got one from eBay that said you've just been outbid, and it, it took me a minute to remember that I've got eBay on my phone, and it literally was telling me on my iPhone I just got outbid, and so I launched the eBay app on my iPhone, increased my bid by three dollars, and won the bid. I mean, how handy is that? Yes, that, that's very. The eBay app on there is is actually very nice. They've got everything you need in it without having too much stuff. I think it it, it works really well, and I yeah. I'm just really impressed that it gave me that push notification. I mean, I yeah, I I have a, I've had an interesting experience with my iPhone in the last couple of days. I got a new car, and uh, the uh, this is the the pri- the new version of the Prius, the updated version, and it has a Bluetooth uh, car kit in it for the for the phone, which my old one had as well. But this one also has a Bluetooth audio system as well, um, and I've been able to get the iPhone talking to the system both as a as an audio player and as a telephone at the same time, and that's really really cool. And with the new three G S, it's it's Bluetooth stereo. Exactly, yeah. and and it sounds absolutely fantastic. I was a bit dubious because whenever I've used Bluetooth stereo um, with other devices in the past, the it's kind of crappy. Bluetooth, yeah, it's, it's always sounded a bit kind of hollow and, and not very good. This sounds absolutely amazing. It sounds as as good or better than cable connection. How's the? Yeah, uh, I, I know in my uh, in in my Ford uh, Flex with the sync system that that works reasonably well. Voice command is somewhat questionable, but when it is playing music, it does sound good. Hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, and the telephone system was, integration was great as well. As soon as it connected, it immediately copied all my contacts from the iPhone straight into the car, so that I can dial anybody who's on my phone from the car, and I can add voice tags on the car system if I want. And that's actually a bit better than the uh, the iPhone's recognition. So it works really well, and it's completely seamless. So as soon as the car powers up. The uh, the phone's connected, and also the iPods section is connected as well, and it just flips one to the other as as needed. It works really well. It's interesting. It's I I, I haven't used it like that myself because I have an aftermarket stereo in uh, the minivan, and the what do you call it? the the stock standard Honda Accord doesn't have an input, so I have to use a cassette adapter, which is just brutal. But it works, and it sounds fine, and I'm happy with it. One of the things that I had to stop using, though, was, um, oh, what, you, what is the name of it? The, uh, the Harman Kardon? Yeah, the Harman Kardon Drive yeah. Plus Play, because it wouldn't charge my iPhone 3GS. And that's a big deal to me, because I, I want it to charge. I, wanna, I don't want to get to wherever I'm going and my iPhone be half dead because I was listening to music on the way there. Yeah, and so I had to stop using that thing, and I'm starting to use. Um, I, I got it from. Well, it's going to sound like another ad, but it's really not from Other World Computing. They're three, I know those guys. Yeah, they're uh, three-in-one audio sync cable, along with the audio charger USB. And what the cable is is it plugs into the bottom of the iPhone, and then that plugs into the audio the auto charger. It's just a cigarette lighter thing. But it also has an audio in-out jack. In other words, I plug this into the bottom of my iPhone, and then I plug the audio jack into the stereo, and it's perfect. Yep. It sounds great. And I, I do miss using what I'm used to using. I, I don't like the iPhone touch interface while I'm driving. I hate it, actually. No. But at least it's charging my phone, and it sounds great at the same time. Yeah, I've had that problem as well, that my FM transmitter used to work with my old iPhone, but now it won't It won't charge my new the new iPhone 3GS either. Uh, it's the, the way that Apple made the new 3GS. I understand why they made the changes, but man, there's just a lot. There's a, a huge amount of stuff that we've been using with the older iPhone and with our iPods that work perfectly well, we're very happy with. All of a sudden, it's just they're useless now. Doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the Harman Kardon Drive Plus Play. I really, really do. It just works. Or it did. Well, it, it still works. It just doesn't charge the iPhone. And, you know, it has a little screen right up on my dash. I don't have to take my eyes off the road. The controls are down by the gear shift. And it's just a little rotation rotating dial with some buttons and I can do it by hand without looking at it by feel. And it, it just seems to me that there should have been some kind of backwards compatibility for these devices because the drive plus play alone costs two ninety nine. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of money to say, well, you know, the new stuff doesn't work with it. So I guess I just won't use it anymore. Oh, well, well I, I find that the new, um, the speakers on the new, the new iPhones are so much louder that I just plug it into the charger and then just listen to it on the speakers alone. Yeah, they are. So the, that yeah. was my biggest complaint with the original iPhone. It just wasn't yeah. loud enough for anything. You can do that, particularly if, if you're in the car. If you put the iPhone on the dash so that the speaker is kind of firing at the windscreen or wi the side window, 
so the the sound gets reflected back at you. Actually, even if uh, even if you you know you're driving quite far or, or quite loud, the uh, you can hear the iPhone pretty well. Well, Roger Bourne, one of our writers at MyMac.com, is uh, I believe legally deaf, and he actually uses his iPhone in the car to listen to music and spoken word content by putting the iPhone in his shirt pocket and aiming it at his face, and he can hear it great. And I, I don't know what it is about the new speakers in the iPhone, but Annette, you're absolutely right. They're a lot better. Oh, yeah, much, much, much louder. So with that, we're going to wrap up this show because my Subway meatball sandwich should be here any minute, and I'm starving. <laughs> Annette, thanks a lot for coming on this week. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, David, Guy, I'll see you guys in one week. And oh, yeah. In yep. the meantime, make sure you follow us on Twitter. What's your uh, Twitter handle, Annette? Uh, Learn Max. Learn Max. That's a hard one to remember, isn't it? Yep. Guy Searle? Mac Parrot. David B. Cohen? David B. <laughs> Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am, um, surprisingly enough, my Mac on Twitter. And don't forget, we are doing the Twitter contest. Um, it looks like that's going to be changing. It might have already. We're going to narrow it down so it's not every two weeks. It's going to be on a weekly basis, and it's only going to take place for a month. I think that works a little bit better for me, and honestly, I, I'm getting tired of posting those things. So uh, with that, we're out of here. We'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast. 